welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Grace Assembly of God Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. If you would like additional information, visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy this week's message. John 1, uh, 14, 1, and we'll read this. Do not let your heart be troubled, Jesus said. Believe in God, believe also in me. And they lived in troubling times. We live in troubling times. Um, truth is up for grabs. And yet John ended in John chapter 20. Uh, he said these words, verses 30 and 31. Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of disciples, which are not written in this book, but these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. And I, I have a particular, just a sense from the Lord that the next, uh, this, this fall, as we're into the fall, that God wants us as a church to increase our faith and our belief in Jesus Christ. We too, like that early church, are facing uh, the crush of this world around us, uh, a world that Paul wrote is, a, is at enmity with God and his ways, a world that is the enemy of truth, and yet a world that we're privileged to live in and spread the gospel in Jesus' name. However, however, the church... Uh, God calls us to be strong, and this belief in his name, belief in Jesus and who he is, so that we can be everything God's called us to be, and so that individually we can weather the storms of life. And so as we get into this for the next several weeks, my prayer is that God will strengthen us. Leslie Newbegin was a, a missionary to India and he had seen many miracles and the power of God in 40 years that were there. He came back to, he came back to England in the in 1960s. That's where he was from. And he looked around and he said, what has happened to the church in these 40 years? Where is God? And he, he wrote several terrific books. But one of the statements that he said that, so, that forever impacted me was this. That when the church, the church loses its power, when it fits in with the reigning, he called it plausibility structure, but when it fits in with the prevailing culture around it, when it fits in, it loses its power. And we are God's representatives. Can someone say praise God? He's called us to be filled with praise, to be filled with power, and to be filled with his glory. And Jesus said, Jesus said, all things are possible to him who believes, and with God, all things are possible. Belief in Jesus Christ, as we strengthen it, will lift our vision. It lays hold of God's promises. It brings hope where there's only defeat, and it propels us into the future that the Lord Jesus Christ has for us. Praise his name. So let's follow along together. I, I want to encourage you. You can read the, the book of John. Uh, it's 21 chapters. It's just, it's a wonderfully packed 
with the, the stories and the teachings and the sayings of Jesus. It fills in the gaps from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, but I challenge you to underline every time you see the word believe or belief, you'll be surprised how many red marks you have. It averages about four per chapter. It's just a, it's just a wonderful exercise to make this come to life. I want to share with you this morning, the first thing is the power of belief in a doubting world. The parable of the sower, Jesus said this, that the number one tool or weapon of the enemy is unbelief. How many are aware of that? He said that the sower went out with the seed. This is the word of God. And when he sowed it, there was four types of ground that it fell on, four types of soil. One was the bare soils on the wayside. One was the thorny soil, which, which represents the cares and the anxieties of this world that choke out the life of God. One was the rocky soil, which is when someone hears it and the Bible says this, that they spring up immediately with great joy, but because there's no root in themselves of really believing in Jesus, because there's no root, they quickly die away. But then there's the good soil that's 30, 60, and 100-fold. It, it is for every seed that's planted is very, very, very productive. And God calls you, I just, I, God wants us to know this, to be productive. That's his plan for our life, to be fruitful, to be in the positive calling rather than the negative calling with our lives, praise God. That's his plan that he has for the church. I want to, we're going to show a video. It's uh, not quite four minutes long, but this is the benefits of belief. Now, let me say this. This is... This video is, is by a, a Dr. Kreeft. He is a doctor of philosophy from Boston College. But the reason that I'm showing it to you, it's, it's, it's unique, uh, and it has to do with people who believe in Jesus and God, particularly Christians and Jewish people who believe in the one true God. He's not necessarily talking about salvation, but notice what he has to say and then notice his prayer at the very end. Take that for what it's worth. This is not a call to salvation, but this is something that, uh, that even, uh, I would say, that uh, folks that are involved in research recognize, and these call it the benefits of belief. Let's take a look at it. If God exists, then the world didn't just evolve by chance, but by deliberate design. There's an artist behind this incredible work of art, this big and beautiful world. If God exists, we're living in a great story, an epic like the Lord of the Rings, with real heroes and heroic tasks. Ultimately, all the twists and turns of this epic narrative will be paid off. Everything will make sense. It will even have a happy ending. Not necessarily or even likely in our own lifetime. Even Moses didn't get into the promised land but over the grand course of time, in an afterlife, which exists as surely as God exists. If God exists, the presence of evil, hard as it is to accept, makes sense. God allows it for a reason, namely to preserve our free will. And God will reconcile all injustices in the end. If there is no God, life is one big crapshoot. If God does exist, morality is a real, objective feature of the world. 
If there is no God, morality is just the rules we make up for this little game of life that we play. If God exists, love is the nature of an eternal reality. If there is no God, love is just a fleeting feeling, no more than a bunch of chemical and neurological interactions. If God exists, you are of infinite value. He knows you as a parent knows his child. He's accessible to you. If there is no God, each of us is as insignificant as a rock on an unknown planet. If God exists, death is conquered, because if there is a God, there is a reality outside of space and time. If there is no God, there is nothing immortal, and all the good things in life are destroyed forever. You and everyone you love and everything you think matters are all consigned to oblivion. If there is no God, life is pointless. Everything we've done and lived for will ultimately be in vain. Can I prove with an absolute certainty that God exists? I can make the case that overwhelming evidence suggests that he does, but no, I can't prove that he exists with absolute certainty. That's likely part of his plan. God deliberately doesn't give us absolute proof so that we're free to choose or not to choose to believe in him. So, which way do you want to go? Be honest. Doesn't your heart at least hope that there is a good God? A transcendent validator of love and all the highest human values? Of course it does. Why would anyone not wish that life has some ultimate purpose, that good and evil are real, that there is ultimate justice, that our love for others means something? If you choose to live as if there is a God, even if you're not sure that there is a God, You'll lose nothing, and you gain everything. So why not begin with an action? Why not pray the prayer of the skeptic? God, if you exist, you must know that I am not a believer. So please, God, give me the gift of faith in your time and in your way. I want to believe whatever is true. Amen. If you say that and mean it, and give it some time, be prepared because he will not ignore that prayer. Go on, say it. Find a private place and say it. Your Creator is listening. That's good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Our Creator is listening. Praise God. That's where it, that's where it begins. Belief in God does several things. This is belief in God that believe in him and live it out in everyday life. This is, this is uh, from research from Carnegie Mellon University, Nebraska, University of Nebraska, Columbia University. So in other words, I did not take this from people's blogs, all right? I, I'm a person that uh, I, I like some research behind things, um, not just opinions, Give me God's word, God's works. Give me good research. Praise God. I'm ready to roll. But belief in God reduces stress and allows people to handle anxiety better. It, this is in your notes. Uh, it, people that believe in God respond better to medical treatment. I, I talked with Kevin Hill this morning. Several of us are praying for, for Lynn. She's hospitalized again. And it's been a long, long, arduous trial. But I remember just, it was a year, or I think it was just last year, 
at this time, and he said every October, fall, they, they seem to just go underneath these severe medical trials. She was in John Hopkins, and I went down, I went to pray with them. The family had gathered around, and it seemed that there was no, no hope. All hope was gone, and I walked away from that, and it was, it was just a terrible feeling. We felt so hopeless. But so many of you had been praying, and she responded. She responded in a way that the doctor said she's a walking miracle. So if you're going to get sick, believe in God. How about that? You're, you're going to do better. Um, the, along with that, we tend to be more generous. I really love the next one, less biased. This world, and often the media, wants to paint people of faith and the church as intolerant and narrow-minded. What the, the good research shows that if you are a person of faith and you believe in God, if someone moves in next to you that's a different, different ethnicity than you, different gender than you, different age than you, different sexual preference of you, that you will be way less biased than the average person because of the love of God and Jesus Christ. And that's my experience. That's what I've seen. And that's, that's the research backs that, backs that up. We, we are less likely to start war. Uh, so many, uh, I'm just going to move on from that. But, but, and if you want to go into politics and get elected, believe in God. You're much more likely to be elected if you believe in God. So here's the question I have for you, church, this morning is, does your life style build faith or does it allow the doubts of this world about God to creep into your life? Does your lifestyle build faith or does it allow the doubts of this world that presses about us and whose coin of the realm is unbelief to form our lives? And so Paul the Apostle wrote it this way, Romans 12, 2. Uh, he said, don't be conformed to this world. The New Living Testament says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but God, let God transform you and the way you think. And the message says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix our attention on God. You say, Pastor, how do I know that I've blended into the world without even thinking? This is, this is how you know every time. That when... The reigning, the reigning thoughts in our culture become part of us, and we agree with them that when someone says something from God's Word that disagrees with what the world is thinking, we say, they're wrong, because it comes, that's the first reaction. How many follow what I'm saying? We know, we know, we know that we're believing in Jesus and have a lifestyle that allows our faith and our belief in him to be powerful and strong, that when we hear the message of this world who's at enmity with God, when we hear that, we say, Lord, that's not right. What does your word have to say about it? How many understand what I'm saying? And so the second thing, though, I want to share with you is this. Believe in Jesus, the I am. When he met the woman at the well in John 4, uh, 25 and 26, she said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, that he who is called Christ, when that one comes, he will declare all things to us. That was, that's what she said to Jesus. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. 
In other words, I'm the Messiah, the words of Jesus. And then John chapter 1, 14, and then 16 through 18. And the word became flesh, dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. For of his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. There's seven I am's in the book of John that I, I want to direct your attention to. These I am's are the same word that God said to Moses when Moses saw the burning bush. How many remember that in the desert after 40 years? Moses is out there. He'd been banished for 40 years. And by the way, uh, following the Lord Jesus Christ is not a microwave experience. It is like a slow crock pot. How many know that? Sometimes it gets hotter than we want to. But Moses is coming along. He's got these sheep. He'd been sort of demoted. He thought this bush sets on fire. And, he's, and Moses, he said, what? And God said, the almighty God of the universe said, I am that I am. He said, this is what you're to do. And, and God, uh, Moses said to God, who, who am I to say it sent me? And you tell them that I am has sent you. And so when Jesus said in the gospel of John, I am, this is what he said, I am the bread of life. He was saying, I'm God that will fulfill your deepest desires that you have. He said, I'm the light of the world. I will show light and truth to you. I'm the door. No one comes to the Father but by me. I'm the true vine where we can have relationship and the Father will love you and, and tend to you, has a plan for your life. I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for you. I'm so grateful he's laid down his life for me. And and that he gives himself and he leads us through the wilderness. He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. In other words, he's overcome sin, death, the grave, and the power of the wicked one. And I'm the truth, the life, and the way. And, and I count those as three, but scholars count them as one. Go figure. I don't know. But he's the truth, he's the life, and the way. And so we believe that because of Jesus, who he is, his works, his words, and because he's, when we receive him, we have the opportunity to believe all that he is. Now, Jesus came to explain God. And you say, Pastor Paul, why is this important? Grace and truth are only realized through Jesus. Now, here's, here's the deal. One of the things that Christians struggle with is that there are other religions and scriptures that talk about God. Okay, and uh, I've read a lot of them. I, I told the first service, I've, I've read the Bhagavad Gita. How many others have read the Bhagavad Gita? Cover to come. How many have read that? Greg, I know you have, so there's two of us that have. All right. And I've read other scriptures and, that are available. And, but here's, this is the deal, church. This is really important. Grace and truth are only realized through Jesus and that Jesus came to explain God. All other so-called holy books do not portray God as Jesus explained them to us. A loving Father, a good God, a God who came to save us. Other holy books, so to speak, talk about 
Our relationship with God is one of, it's almost master and slave. If you, if you talk with people, you talk with them, there's, there's no mention of forgiveness. It's works-based. It's fear-based, okay? There's not the power of God for healing and for life. This is all found in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ explained who God was and what God was really like. And so when we believe and trust and put our faith in him, that faith begins to grow and we can have confidence that we're serving the one true living God, praise his name. And then uh, John wrote, we have all received grace upon grace. And I call this uh, sort of like uh, when our, our daughters were home, we had four on Thursday nights we were planting the church. We said that was family night. And we didn't let anything encroach. We sort of tried to guard that. And we'd watch television or the old, what are they, VHS tapes? I even forget the name of them now. But a movie. Uh, Chris would make popcorn. And I remember the big piece of the blanket that I bought. It was a remnant of, it was wool. And it was long enough for all of us, we could get underneath it on the couch. And we'd just sort of snuggle down. Grace upon grace, you know. And, and. From the Lord Jesus, you and I have all received grace upon grace. Paul said we stand in this grace. It's like going to the ocean and the waves keep coming, 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 coming. You can't get away from it. That's the grace of God in our life because of Jesus and because of God. His grace is there. And, and here's, here's the deal, that the more that we believe in Jesus and who he is, the more we believe in that, the greater our capacity to receive grace and to live out grace and act in grace to other people. How many of you are following what I'm, what I'm saying? Now, when, as I was praying and preparing this, I said, Lord, ouch. That hit me pretty hard because at, even at... at I've seen a lot of birthdays, more than most people have seen in here. I still have a ways to go. Can someone else say amen about your own life? Okay, not my life. But we all have a ways to go. And what the Lord showed me, why it's so important that we believe, the more that we believe about Jesus, the greater our capacity to experience his grace in our life and to be men and women of grace living that out, praise God, instead of letting everything get under our skin. That's not grace. And so God has privileged us to receive his grace. The third thing I want to share with you is that belief takes us into God's realm. Belief in Jesus moves us into another realm. John 14, 12 through 14, and we'll read this. Truly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. And so it re takes us into God's realm. And I, we've got three uh, images I want to show you right now. Okay, we'll just stop there, comment. So everyone knows what that is, right? It's an eagle with what? Eggs. It's an eagle with eggs. And if you see this, here's this eagle that's hovering over this. And, and friends, God has a realm for you, and God has a realm for me, 
that is as different for us and this life that we believe that we live when we don't believe as we should as the eaglet inside of that egg will have once he hatches and we're going to show the next one so there's these little eaglets right they had no idea all they knew their whole world was something warm was sitting over them and they're cozy, and everything is wonderful. They had no sight. They had no nothing. Everything was just static. Everything's there. And the next thing you know, you know that they actually have a little, uh, chicks and fowl have a little, I think they call it an egg tooth, and they start chipping away at that egg. And so now you've got these two little eaglets, and I'm, they're look, look at the looks on their faces like, whoa, where, where are we? What is this, you know? That it's not warm out here. The wind's blowing, but they're full of life. And, and here's, here's what happens, that as we believe in Jesus, it brings us into God's realm and strengthens our faith so that our faith is strong and we're not nearly as affected by the unbelief of this world. How many follow what I'm saying, okay? You and I are, cannot prepare ourselves mentally enough to ward off the unbelief of this world that wars against the Spirit. In fact, uh, God's Word says, if we sow to the Spirit, we reap to the Spirit. If we sow to the flesh, we, leap to the, we reap to the flesh. And so God wants us to come into His realm, and let's go to the next one, and his realm, there it is, okay? Remember Isaiah chapter 40, 31, that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall do what? They shall mount up on wings like the, like the eagle. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Teach me, Lord, to wait, praise God. That comes through believing in Jesus and who he said that he was. God has prepared us to do greater works. And I'm going to ask Greg Henderson and Darren, I've asked them to come. And as they're doing, just this past week, I had a, a newsletter from, uh, from uh, Holland, actually the Netherlands, and Christian Tan is a young man about 30 years old that God has raised up to lead a church, the, the Assemblies of God church planting movement in a few of those countries. And Europe is a, is a hard, 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 hard place. He's formed an apostolic team, and I, I met him through North Point, and he, they were up there studying classes, and we've developed a wonderful friendship, and we've corresponded, et cetera, and he sent me his newsletter. Listen to this. This is another realm, what I believe God wants. He was preaching on a Sunday morning, and during, at the end, when he was done, a man brought his son up, and he said, I want you to pray for him. God said to pray for him. The Lord will heal him. He has a severe gluten allergy, terrible abdominal pains, suffering, nausea. He can't even hardly look at anything with gluten in it. And Christian said this. He said, Lord, why am I being asked to pray? There's people that are known for their healing ministries, and the Lord says, I want you to pray. You believe. Believe. Christian prayed for this, this little boy in the name of Jesus heal. He spoke to the sickness in the name of Jesus. How many follow what I'm saying? Because Jesus, he either is or he's not the healer. Can someone say amen? He either is or he's not the great physician. 
He either is the light of this world or he's not. He either is the life of this world or he's not. He either is the good shepherd or he's not. And Christian didn't know what happened. They went up, they had a fellowship meal. The young boy was seven or eight years old. He sat down with his mommy and she, was, she hadn't seen that. She's another part of the church. And he says to his mom, I want a croissant bun. How many, I want a croissant bun. How about you? You know what I'm saying? And mom said, you can't have that. He said, mommy, God healed me. I can have one. And so she said, okay. She let him have a croissant bun. Then the kid said, I want another croissant bun. So he ate that one. And, and then the testimony was he ate everything in sight on that fellowship table no problems. He went home that night and they ordered pizza. How many know that'll do, it, do you in? And no repercussions. This was several weeks ago. How many know that's a different realm that God has for us? Can someone say amen? That's a realm that comes from believing in God. And he said, if you believe me, God, uh, God has prepared us to do greater works. Praise God. So I've asked Darren and Greg to come and share with us some really neat things that have been happening on Wednesday nights. Well, the past, uh, past six weeks on Wednesday nights, we've been teaching a class. We've been talking about intimate relationship with Christ, talking about learning to get into the flow of what God is doing, um, learning to hear the Holy Spirit and to act on what he tells you to do. And this past Wednesday, well, I'm sorry, let me back up. This, uh, this class was born out of um, what I had been doing with Action Outreach. And over the past six months or so, I decided to be deliberate in reaching out to people. And I was asking people two questions. I would come up to somebody, perfect stranger, and say, um, I'm conducting a research poll, and I need to ask 50 random people two questions. Would you be one of my random people? And I'd ask them... Um, when you think about people who identify themselves as Christians, are your thoughts about them generally positive or negative? And then I would ask them, when you think about the man Jesus Christ who lived 2,000 years ago, what do you think of him and who do you think he was? And I would gauge in conversations with people this way. Well, this Wednesday night, I pulled a fast one on our class, and I made them do what I had been doing. So they drew locations out of a bucket, that I called the divine, um, divine appointment bucket. And they went out and went and talked with people. Some people in the class were happy and willing to do this, and some people were not happy at all. But everybody went, um, and when they all came back, it was amazing, the excitement and the energy that was there. And they, they started sharing these testimonies about what God did in just this 20 minutes of time that we were out there. And there were people who got prayed for. They had great conversations with other people. There was e This is not my story to tell. It'll be told at a later time. But somebody even gave their life to the Lord as a result of that 20 minutes that we were out there. And as I was listening to all this, I was thinking, all this in just 20 minutes of deliberately reaching out to people. And I thought, you know, what if this became a lifestyle? And, and we were of the mindset when we were going out to Home Depot and Lowe's and Target and all these other places, Lord, is there somebody you want me to talk with? Lord, is there something, is there somebody here who's hurting that, that I can minister to and just love in Jesus' name? 
So it was, it was an amazing thing to see even mm -hmm. people who didn't like the idea of doing that um, come back blessed in yeah. return. Yeah, that's so good. Yes. And at least for a specific example, a couple of days actually before the Wednesday night when we actually went out, uh, is I ended up actually going to an Aldi after work uh, just to go grab food. Um, and I saw at least two people at least outside. They looked like a homeless couple. Um, they had like a sign up that said, I need to have money for food. And the, the woman looked visibly pregnant. So I ended up just going into the store uh, to go and buy my items. And I come outside to be able to give them money. And at least whenever I end up giving money, I normally have a message at least attached to that. So I ended up just telling both of them to say that God loves you and that Jesus loves you. Uh, and I ended up just shaking their hands afterwards. Uh, and then the, the male at least there said, hey, just pray for us. And I just asked him, do you mind if I just pray for you right now? Uh, and they both at least obliged to that. So I ended up just holding both of their hands just right outside the Aldi there. Uh, and I ended up just praying for them. And I just prayed for them just to know that God loves them, that Jesus loves them. Uh, and I prayed for just people to come into their lives uh, for the to bless them so that someday they would be able to bless other people. And at least over the course of just this, this prayer that uh, I ended up crying a little bit and they had some tears at least in their eyes. And just afterwards, I just, I hugged them and just, uh, it was just a wonderful experience. And mm -hmm. I ended up just driving home yeah. and just praying for them at least on the way home. Mm -hmm. So the takeaway at least of that is that just be open is that you never know when you have any types of these evangelistic opportunities to be able to just reach out to people to love your neighbors as God wants us to, you know, to love each other. Yes. So, yes. so good. Yeah, that's another realm, isn't it? Yeah, it's excellent. Thank you, guys. Praise God. Uh, let's band. If you'd, uh, if you'd come, God bless you if you'd come right now. And uh, we're, we're going to look to the Lord. We're going to go into a time of community. Would you bow your heads with me? I believe with all my heart that one of the most crucial, one of the most crucial things that we're facing as a church is belief and unbelief. I, I just, I believe it. It's, it's all around us. And, but the Lord is going to help us. The Lord is going to help us as we position ourselves and do those things that we believe we believe, trust, and we act on it. This morning, uh, I, uh, Greg, I asked Greg to send me something, and it's the analogy of the airplane. And he said that uh, an airplane and getting on an airplane is sort of like belief or trust. And uh, he said, you can watch airplanes go overhead. You can know that your friends get on them. And you might not even understand some of the laws of aerodynamics, but everyone has to step onto an airplane. You have to put your faith, your trust, your belief in the hands of an individual, that pilot, that he can fly that thing and, and it's not gonna fly apart. No one can do that for you. And when it comes to Jesus Christ, that's a step that we have to take individually. We don't take that step because we, we understand everything about God because we will never understand everything about God. But Jesus explained him that he's a good God, that he loves us. He sent Jesus Christ to save us so that we can have, our sins can be forgiven, so that we can have peace with God and be part of the family of God. And 
and you, you are the one that by simply saying, Lord, I'm going to take that step of what I believe, and I'm going to get on that airplane of faith. I'm going to, I want to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And as you do that, that's what enacts God's power in our life. This morning, if you're here and you want to come to Jesus Christ, you want to get on that airplane, you want to step across and say, Lord, I, I want to take my seat on that plane. I want to believe in you. I want to build a life that's built on belief in God and Jesus Christ. I, I don't want to doubt. I, I want to know that you're the good shepherd. If that's you, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand quickly. Just raise your hand right now. I want to believe Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Just raise your hand right now. And we're going we're gonna to come to the altar in just a moment for communion. But I want to see that, and, and I'll pray for you, and then we have prayer teams that are here that can come. All right, just raise your hand if there's someone here this morning.